You are listening to The Music Room with Aileen Miracle. Hi everyone, this is Aileen and welcome to episode 78 of The Music Room. In this podcast episode, I will be discussing my biggest takeaways from the 2022 OAKE conference in Pittsburgh. A little bit of background in case you're not familiar, OAKE stands for Organization of American Kodai Educators, and this is a conference that I have gone to almost every single year since 2000. There have been a few years here or there that I've missed, but almost every single conference I've gone to, and it's for a good reason. I feel like I learned so much at these conferences, and I have friends that I only see at the conference, so it's always fun to catch up with them. And a little bit more background about this particular conference, I was actually kind of like the assistant chair or what's called the incoming chair for this conference. Next year will be in Jacksonville, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit here. And I'm the main chair for that. Rebecca Juarez was the main chair for this conference in Pittsburgh, and I was kind of like assisting her, helping out in any way I could, which was a lot of fun. Rebecca did such a great job with this conference. And then next year, I will be the main chair, and Lindsay Schroeder will be the incoming chair for my conference. And then the following year she'll be the main chair. So that's kind of the system they have set up now. I have been uh, program chairs or co-chairs for a couple other conferences and I really enjoy this work. And like I said, I love going to conference. So something else I want to mention to you is I'm going to be talking, like I said, about my biggest takeaways with this conference. And just so you can get an idea of what an OAKE conference or any professional development music education conference might look like. But I do want to say that anything that I'm mentioning in this podcast episode is for sure not a replacement for actually going to the conference. I just wanted to give you a better idea of what you might expect from going to a conference, but for sure being there in person is really the best way that you are going to absorb all of the awesome material and resources and song literature and all of that good stuff. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you what my biggest takeaways were. Now, even though I was assisting with this conference, there were a couple sessions I had to miss because of that, but I was able to go to quite a few sessions, which was fantastic. So number one, as far as my biggest takeaways go, was just the importance of folk song research of context and of representation. I went to, like I said, several sessions, but two sessions in particular really brought this point home for me. The first session was Joan Lippman. She has really been a mentor for me for several years. She was my level three teacher at Capital, and I was able to assist her with one of her level three classes. And then a few years ago, when the OAKE conference was in Columbus, she actually came and taught one of my fourth grade classes. And then we brought them to downtown Columbus to the hotel the conference was at and they were able to do a demo session which was it was just so wonderful to see someone that I admire so much teach my own students so some of the song literature in the session I was already familiar with because of her working with my students previously but she does such a great job of really teaching songs from multiple cultures multiple areas of the world but also putting a contextual lens through it like instead of just oh singing the song because it's from Iraq or singing the song because it's from Egypt or wherever it might be. Let's think about the context. What does this song mean? And not just what it might mean for us in the United States, but what does it mean for the people who are singing the song? And and how is it translated? And what exactly does that mean? And, and now let's bring in some materials and props to really like showcase to students what that song actually means. So she just does such a great job. Anytime you can go see Joan Littman present 
you should because not only is she just a wealth of knowledge, she's very entertaining. She's super funny and I just love her to pieces. So it was just a good reminder. Of course, I've seen her present quite a few times because she was my teacher, but just a really great reminder of context. And then a former student of mine, Lorena Code, she was my Kodai level one student at DePaul University, and she presented a session about anti-bias, and it was so good. She was able to kind of like lead us through her journey of her anti-bias journey and where she started, and then what steps she took each year to continue on that journey. I think like so many of us want to have a classroom that is promoting anti-bias, right? But sometimes we're just not sure, okay, but where do we start and what does that look like? So she went through step-by-step what that process looked like for her and then had us reflect on where we were in our journey and what our next steps might be. So it was really actionable. And she also had some really great resources. Like one of them was First Steps in Global Music by my friend Karen Howard. Again, she's another person if you ever get to see her present or buy any of her resources, it's totally worth it. And I had seen this resource and had been wanting to buy it, but I just hadn't gotten around to it. So I did buy that at the conference and it has so many good songs in it. So Lorena presented some songs from this book and from some other resources and again really talked us through her anti-bias journey which was just like I said really actionable and thought-provoking. And I think a good reminder anytime you're thinking about folk song research and finding songs that are authentic is just to remind yourself like to do the work but also do it a little bit at a time. I think sometimes we get overwhelmed and we feel like we need to be ethnomusicologists and in a way we kind of do but I think if you can kind of you know go one step at a time and try to add in a song at a time and do the research and if you're not sure about a song just don't do it until you have researched it to make sure it's not problematic and and it is authentic and all of that good stuff. So again, the importance of research, context, and representation from those two sessions was just really great. And if you get a chance to see either Joan or Lorena present, you definitely should, and Karen too. All right, number two is helping autistic students or students with autism in the music room. And what that might look like. Alice Hamill, I've heard amazing things about. I've heard that she's really an expert in this field of autism with music education, but I had never seen her present. So I was able to go to the mini conference and see her in action and hear her ideas and so good. So a couple things about that. I, you know, she was really good at showing little changes that you can make. Like one of the examples she talked about was instead of teaching a folk dance with no music where you're just teaching the steps, okay, everyone, we're gonna go 16 steps to the right. Okay, now we're gonna go 16 steps to the left and teaching it all without music that autistic students are often really connected to music so let's put the music on and figure out where we might switch direction or whatever that might be and I thought that was such a brilliant simple but brilliant point because I had been teaching it without music and then adding the music and it I think is good for any student to really be able to listen to the music and figure out where those changes might be and she also has some really great suggestions for preparing students for what's about to happen especially you know students who are on the spectrum and you know need to know kind of in advance of things that are coming up in the lesson and some of her suggestions I was doing and some of them I wasn't so it was just a really good reminder I do want to mention that Alice has a book 
that I definitely want to look into and you may want to as well. And the book that I really want to check out is called Teaching Music to Students with Autism by Alice Hamill. She does have a few other resources, but that one specifically I would really like to check out because I'm sure it's chock full of great suggestions. So that was my second takeaway. All right, takeaway number three was with my friend Nissa Brown. She did a really great virtual session because she is in the Netherlands and she did a session about backwards design, which my district has done work with backwards design or understanding by design, UBD, you might have heard it called any of those things. Um, And the idea is pretty much thinking of what your end goal is and then planning towards that, which I think works really well with Kodai-inspired teaching for those of you who are Kodai-trained, because we often are thinking about what is the end goal and then how do we get there. So she walked us through having just having us reflect on what we want our students to be able to do, know, and understand with any unit. And I think, especially as you head into the last quarter, quarter. I actually just did a podcast episode. I think it was the last podcast episode all about planning for your last quarter. And I think that this kind of backwards design, even though we are heading, many of us are heading into the last quarter, this kind of backwards design could work really well for the last quarter because we're kind of like, okay, we're almost at the finish line. What do we still have to teach our students and and how do we get there? So she walked us through like how to write or how to figure out your big ideas and your essential questions. And are you going to have a cornerstone project that kind of like is a culmination of everything they've learned and what will that look like? And it was really, really fantastic. If you are not familiar with Nissa Brown, you should be. She's really great. And she has a website, musicatforward.com. I will link to that in the show notes. And she also does have a podcast, which I can link to in the show notes. She does do professional development for schools. So she presents workshops for music educators all over the world. Specifically, I think she presents on a range of topics, but she her specialty is really in curriculum and, and design. So if you are looking for someone to present for your district, you definitely should. But even if you're not, definitely check out her website and her podcast. It was a really great session. All right, number four for takeaways, I went to Amy Abbott's session about preparing melodic concepts. So the title was something like melodic prep can be fun. And you know, anytime you go to a conference and you can just like learn a new song, I think that's always fun. I'm at the point in my career after teaching for 23 years, you know, there are a lot of songs that I do know, but every once in a while you go to a session and like, oh, I've never heard that song. So she presented a few songs, but one of them I hadn't heard of, and that was called Little Leaves Are Falling. And she actually has a blog post about it. So I'm going to link that in the show notes. And just in case uh, you don't know where my show notes are, if you go to my website, at mrsmiraclesmusicroom.com slash podcast, or you can just click on podcast, then you can find this episode and then you'll find the show notes. So super fun song. And she had these really cool like leaf manipulatives that she was using with it, which she talks about in the blog post. So definitely head over there. But she had a lot of manipulatives that she was using in her session. And it was just a really good reminder because because of COVID, I was not using very many manipulatives this year. And obviously last year I was virtual, so I didn't really use any because everything was asynchronous or over Microsoft Teams. So couldn't exactly use manipulatives. So our restrictions have loosened. So it was just a good reminder like, okay, I can start doing some small group work. I can start using manipulatives because the restrictions are a little bit lighter now. And you know, there are things that I can do where I feel like I can still be safe. So it was just a good reminder for that. And also she talked about different stages within the preparation stage and these 
the names of these stages she got from Susan Brumfield's book, First We Sing, which is an excellent resource. She talked about happy chaos where they're just kind of like experiencing it without labeling anything and then early prep and late prep. So, you know, again, I've been teaching for a long time. I have had my Kodai training for a long time, but it's always a good reminder to just really think, okay, where are we in the preparation process right now? You know, what do they know? What do they still need to know in order to move on in the process? So it's just good reflection. All right, moving on to number five. I went to a great session all about Seesaw. The presenter of this session was named Kendall Newman. And I was excited to go to it because as I've blogged about this year, and I've probably talked on the podcast about it, last year, I used Seesaw quite a bit for virtual teaching. But this year, I have kind of, you know, transitioned to in-person. And my school is not a Seesaw school, so it's been a little bit of a process to figure out how to get students onto Seesaw. But then once they're there, it is such an awesome tool. I feel like what I can have students do is so much more comprehensive than just like a worksheet. So anytime I can learn someone else's tips and tools for using something like that, I'm always excited. So I will link to some recent blog posts I've written about Seesaw just in case you're wanting to check them out. But what Kendall was able to do in the session is she had us completing these Seesaw activities as she was presenting them, which was really cool. And she had several different Seesaw activities. There's several different ways of using Seesaw. Like, you know, one of them was for vocal exploration and one of them was for melodic presentation for fa and like for all sorts of reasons. So she just, you know, showed us her Seesaw activities and had us complete them. But then during the session, she had us completing centers. Um, and you know, I love centers. So I was excited about that. So she had us, instead of doing an activity in Seesaw for the center, she had us use like the, there's like a plus tool where you can just hit the plus and you can like say, add video, add photo or whatever. So she would have directions at the center of what to do. And then we would take a picture or we would take a video or whatever at that center and then send it to the teacher, which I had not thought of using Seesaw in that way. So that was exciting to just see some someone else's perspective and realize that, you know, you don't always have to use it as an activity that's pre-made. It could also be like students are documenting their work. So cool. All right. And then the last session that I want to mention as far as takeaways go was a Google Slides session with Rachel Tannenblatt. So if you're not familiar with Rachel Tannenblatt, she has a an Instagram at music with Mrs. Tannenblatt, and there is a period between Mrs. and Tannenblatt if you're looking on Instagram. She has a TikTok, um, and her TikTok is Mrs. Tannenblatt with a period between Mrs. and Tannenblatt, and she also has a TPT store. So you very likely have heard from her before. So I was excited to see her in person and, and have her present, and you know, you know, I love technology, so I had to go to this one. So this was Google Slides. I have been using Google Slides quite a bit this year. And then last year with virtual teaching, I definitely used it a lot too. So I've been using it a lot for like my agenda slides and some of my materials. But after going to this session, she had like these incredible, like this huge Google Slides that she shared with us. And after going to the session, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm underutilizing Google Slides. So she, I think my big like aha moment that I was super excited about is she showed how to link from one slide to another. So what I'm doing now that I wasn't doing before is I kind of have like a home base agenda slide. And then instead of trying to find slides in like a subfolder within a subfolder within a subfolder for 
one of the lessons. I link from one slide to another set of Google Slides so I can like open up my first grade lesson plan by clicking the link and it opens up all of my slides for that lesson. It's just like an easier way to kind of store things and get to them so that it's more accessible. But she also just like had, she had lyrics on the screen for students as they're singing, which I realize I'm not doing that enough. So I'm, I've been doing that more. She had games up on the screen for students to play. It was just super fun, like lots of visual on the screen for students to watch. She used GIFs, she used, you know, fun images, so fun. So again, shout out to Rachel Tanablatt if you get to see her present, super fun session. And like I said, any of the presenters that I mentioned really did a fantastic job and, and I learned a ton. All right, if you're wondering about Jacksonville next year. As far as what is at an OAKE conference, lots of sessions like I just described. There are also social events. So we had one in Pittsburgh since Mr. Rogers is from Pittsburgh. We had like a Mr. Rogers themed event, which was super fun. We all wore our cardigans. And there are concerts of like children's choirs. There was a gamelan ensemble there was a drumming ensemble at the opening night so lots of fun concerts and it's just always so much fun to network and to hang out with other music teachers because we often feel like we're on an island all by ourselves and to be able to talk to other music educators is always awesome if you're interested in presenting at next year's conference in Jacksonville, then I will put a link in my show notes to the submission page where you can learn all about how to submit a session proposal. And the deadline for that is May 1st of this year. All right. I hope that was helpful for you as you either, maybe you were also at the OAKE conference and I was able to say hi to you, or maybe you've just been thinking about it. All right. I'm going to talk about what I'm consuming. All right, so I uh, I think last week or the week before, I watched the movie Turning Red, which you probably have seen commercials for. And there's actually like a little bit of, I don't know what the right word is. There are some people who really didn't like it, I guess, and some people that really did. So I'm in the camp of people who did like it, but I would probably give it a few caveats. So my youngest daughter is nine. We watched it. Lots of fun. She really enjoyed it. She loved the music. She loved the storyline. Yes, she totally enjoyed it. I will say that you may need to have a conversation with your child before or after, depending on their age, because there are some things that like in the movie, they talk about at the girl's first period. And if you haven't had that conversation um, with your child, then you might need to answer some questions after they watch that. And I think some of the uproar about it is that people felt like she was really disrespectful to her mother, but she was also responding to the way that she was being treated is the way that I would look at it. And I think the way that she was treating her mother was pretty realistic (laughs) for how a child might respond to a mother that's or any parent that's really strict. So I would say I felt like it led to it could lead to some really good discussions with your child. So as long as you're, you kind of go into it with that mindset of we might need to have a conversation about where, what, what we're watching and what do you think she did that was good? What do you think that she maybe should have thought about before she did it? You know, that kind of thing. Like 
yeah, I don't, I don't want to give away too much of the movie. So I'll just say that you may need to have some conversations with your child, but I thought it was super fun. So, all right. So that's it for today. And the next podcast episode, I am going to be talking with author and illustrator and music teacher, Katie Ramos, about writing and illustrating picture books. Super excited about that. I hope that you have a wonderful day and happy teaching. Mm-hmm.